Welcome back to Second and Short. It is April 12, 2023. We had the Masters over the weekend. John Ra- John Rahm is your Masters champion. We had a bunch of great MLB games. A little bit of NFL news coming through. A lot of draft talk. Uh, we're going to hit the dro- our top three defensive draft prospects this week. And then we'll hit stake your claim and get out of here. Brought in Colin this week to fill in. Talk a little bit more baseball. And um, Colin, you ready to get into it? Let's get it. All right. So, started off in the MLB. We got to talk about the Rays. They're starting off the season 11-0 and as of tonight's win. It's ridiculous. It looks like there's no stopping them. They've only had one game where they won by less than four runs. It's ridiculous at this point. Yeah, and it's really mainly from their middle infield right now, working with Wander Franco and Brandon Lau. They're really stepping up their game. Uh, Franco's batting 311, Lau 321. Um, Lau also has three home runs and nine RBIs in the last seven days after starting. I think he was batting like 180 in the first series, but yeah. really stepped it up for his team. But the pitching has also been phenomenal. I think they won two in a row, 11 nothing against the A's. Yeah, it's ridiculous. That 11 and 0, um, or that 11-0 back-to-back is the first team to ever win two games by 11-0 or more back-to-back. Yeah, and I mean, uh, excuse me if I pronounce it wrong, like the, one of the games that they pitched, or they won 11-0, Caprillian only threw four and two-thirds, gave up seven hits, seven. That's actually wrong one. That was the A's pitcher who did that. Yeah, it was Rasmussen that Rasmus. pitched. Oh my god! Pitched seven innings of one hit ball, eight Ks, and then set up man and closer, shut it out. Yeah, it's um, ridiculous because the Rays are kind of the team that got overlooked, probably other than the Red Sox. Most people probably had the Rays coming in fourth in that division with how good we've seen the Orioles play. And obviously the Yankees and Blue Jays, but you know, right now, nobody's even close to them. Yeah, I mean, you look at this lineup: you, it, Brandon Lau, Wander Franco, Rosarena, uh, Raleigh rotes, rotates with Josh Lowe, Paredes, Harold Ramirez, uh, Marco, and then also you have Bethencourt who rotates in at catching. It's not a lineup you would think that would start out to an eleven zero run, but here we are. Yeah, just a like they just have solid players throughout this lineup and throughout the bullpen. Obviously, some stars like Shane McClanahan in the in the starting rotation, but not a lot of like big names. And they just seem to piece it together so well. And, and like even if like McClanahan really didn't have that good of a start in the win tonight, only five innings, which you don't typically see out of McClanahan, but they pull him. Relatively early, still got nine Ks, but then the next three guys all go one inning. Or the next two guys went one inning, no hits, no walks, no Ks. And then um Thompson comes in, one hit, one walk, no runs. Um Foucher came in, pitched the last one, not great, still gave up um one earned run, but you know. You were already up, so it didn't really matter in that case. But overall, this Rays team has not only been very good, they've been fun to watch. And that's something that 
the Rays haven't really had before this. You know, like the year that they went to the World Series, they weren't like an exciting team to watch. They, they had a couple of exciting players like Randy Rosarena in that playoff run, but outside of it, there wasn't much that made me want to watch Rays baseball. Right now, with this young team, with young pitching and young hitting, like they're so much fun to watch. It's just a lineup full of exciting players. Yeah, it's just that exciting feeling when that sneaky team just explodes. Like, yeah, you have your Braves, your Yankees, your Astros that just explosive players one through nine. But when you have Rays where your no-name guys at the beginning of the season become big-name guys, it's just exciting. And I think they really hit a stride right now coming against the uh, Red Sox that are struggling right now. They have one starting lineup person who's batting over 300 in Verdugo, and he's at 318. But their leadoff hitter, uh, Enrique, is batting .83, which is not what you need from a leadoff hitter. Yeah, it's brutal. Uh, Let's talk about this Pirates-White Sox saga, I guess you could say. So kind of just to give the context, O'Neill Cruz rounds third base. He's... Going, he's running into a play at home, and the catcher is standing up, but to like to receive the ball. O'Neill Cruz kind of decides to slide late, mainly to avoid all of the rules that protect the catcher. He was trying to just slide last moment, and ends up kind of sliding wrong and flipping over his leg, uh, fractures his ankle, and. I don't know why the fight started. I don't know. Maybe you saw something about it, but it seemed kind of out of nowhere. But like the scene of everybody cleared the benches and they're all on the third base side of the pitcher's mound. And O'Neill Cruz is lying on the ground in pain with one person next to him. It just yeah. seemed very odd. Yeah, I think what cleared the benches was the catcher Zavala. As soon as he tags Cruz and Cruz hits the ground, he looks at Cruz and yells, what the fuck was that? Thinking that Cruz was trying to intentionally take him out. And I think that's what cleared the benches for the Pirates. Is because Zavala is sort of just like standing his ground when you have Cruz on the ground who's like severely hurt. Everybody knows he is. But Zavala sort of got that mindset that nobody's better than me and you're not going to do that to me um i think cruz sort of froze when he saw the high throw because when he saw zavala leave his feet i feel like he didn't know whether he wanted to go feet first or head first and that's what made him freeze and sort of just tumble so i don't think there was any intention on it i think it was just sort of those uh weird things that happens uh, but I'm fully behind the Pirates defending their guy. Yeah, I think that you can't really say O'Neill Cruz was in the wrong. He was doing all he could to not run into Zavala. And it, like at that late point, like O'Neill Cruz obviously didn't know that he was even going to be involved in a play at the plate from the way it like it went because he had no intention of sliding until he saw Zavala leave the ground, and then he was like, oh shit, like I'm right here. 
and like couldn't get down, ends up sliding in awkwardly, rolls over his ankle, gets the fractured ankle. So yeah, I don't blame the Pirates at all for defending their guy, but like that scene of him and one trainer next to him while everybody else is fighting is just the most odd picture. Yeah, and I I really feel for the the Pirates right now because Cruz is definitely going to be out minimum 10 weeks. Um, but ankle fractures are those things that you never you never know. It could be more than 12 or it could be quicker than that. But Cruz is a very exciting player to watch and definitely will be missed in that Pittsburgh lineup. Yeah, he got surgery, I believe, yesterday, possibly the day before. Uh, and they're anticipating a return in four months. Yeah, that's 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 rough. So it might be another uh, chalk up for Pittsburgh. Yeah, well, maybe they'll get another high draft pick. <laughs> All right, Rafael Devers said that he knows what he wants to buy with his first big purchase since getting paid the biggest contract in franchise history. He said, in quotes, a horse or a car or a house. Yeah, it's just like... Like those are your three things. Like if if I have that option, I'm picking a horse all day. Easy. Thinking Easy. about it, like you're pulling up to Fenway on a horse. After that, you got to get yourself a cowboy hat, and yep. you're golden. Yeah, Rafa, cowboy Devers is what <laughs> I want to see rolling into the facility every day. It, just Rafael Devers with his big ass sitting on a horse in a cowboy hat. Yeah, and then his player jersey can be uh, Cowboy. Yeah, his players we can nickname jersey. That'd be fantastic. Uh, Adam Duvall uh, broke his wrist, which absolutely sucks because he was off to a crazy good start. Actually, the first player to reach one F-war. He did that on Saturday. It it just sucks. Adam Duvall is obviously a fantastic player, was off to a super hot start. Now his wrist is broke, broken, and there's not really a timetable yet on when he's going to return. Yeah, it's just it's just one of those things you feel bad because he was definitely going to be one of the centerpieces for this this Boston team when they when they signed him. He everybody was really high on him. He was a he was a lineup change. Um, Big arm in the outfield with that short short porch and left, and then also a big bat in the middle of the lineup. It's just, and also being an ex brave, it's like how do you not root for the guy who uh, who helped you get to the World Series? Um, but batting three thirteen, uh, I think what he had uh, four bombs and about thirteen RBIs before he got hurt. It's it's just one of those wicked things that you just don't expect, but. You hope uh, speed, hope uh, recovery, and hope to see him back next season. Yeah. Uh, Last week, Matt Chapman, who was off to a fantastic start, he took home AL Player of the Week after he batted 464 with five doubles, two homers, and 12 RBIs in a week. And for the NL Award, Brian Reynolds of the Pirates takes that one home, batted 480 with two doubles, a triple, four home runs, and 12 RBIs. Definitely two guys I did not expect to look this good this season. Yeah, I mean, the Blue Jays right now are another one of those sneaky teams. Like, they're off to a 7-4 and four start um, after beating the Tigers tonight 
that 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 lineup can be sneaky good if you don't play it the right way. And then also Brian Reynolds, get used to his name being player of the week because with O'Neill Cruz out, he's going to be stepping up, play a big factor in the the Pirates offense. Yeah. Uh, another interesting fact here, Teoscar Hernandez leads all MLB players in defensive runs saved mm-hmm. entering Monday. Um, that's not just right fielders. It's not just outfielders. Teoscar Hernandez in right field leads all MLB players in defensive runs saved. That is ridiculous. Yeah, he. I mean, he's always. I've always thought of him better as a defender than with a bat. Um, yeah, he he's got that sneaky power, hits for contact, but people underestimate his his defense. Um, I've just always liked him as a defender, so that doesn't really surprise me. Yeah, I think what's more surprising is the fact that it is an outfielder. Typically, defensive runs saved is like shortstops, second baseman kind of guys where like they're constantly impacting the game. But Teoscar Hernandez playing fantastic outfield right now. Uh, the Orioles, they debuted a new home run dugout celebration. Love it, first of all. Uh, Kyle Gibson said in his postgame interview, he really stressed it. It's called the Homer Hose. It is not the dong bong, as people on social media were calling it. Um, said that he did not have dong bong on his bingo card of interview phrases. And Adley Rutschman commented on it as well. Said, we're just huge proponents of staying hydrated. Yeah. Um, their biggest thing, it's all good and fun. Um, but it, it, you just love to see a team have fun. The The worst thing you can see is a dry dugout. You're not going to you're not gonna have an impact on a season. When you have a dry dugout, you play with energy, you play with excitement. Good things will come if all of your players are together. That's where you build that team chemistry. You get everybody in. And you know, the human fountain show, everybody turns into an imaginary faucet. <laughs> all right. Jordan Walker making some history. He becomes the second player under 20 years old or 20 years or younger, to start their career with a 10-plus game hitting streak. See, you you know I've been high on this guy ever since he got drafted. He's another one of those exciting people to watch. But I think even with as young as he is, he's got one of the best bats in the league, I think, for power. he Like, we will see his name in the Hall of Fame at the end of his career. Whoa. Okay, that's a a big leap, but... I think he's fantastic. I don't think he's going to be a Cardinal for the whole time, though. I think that the Cardinals, though they're good at hanging on to players, I just feel like he's not going to be there when it's all said and done. Like, Arenado is there, and he's going to be there for a little more. You know, Goldschmidt has some years left in the tank. I just don't think that Jordan Walker is going to be in favor as much as we'd think. And... With the Cardinals having such a good farm system, like somebody is going to come up and, and, you know, on a down year for Walker, and then he's going to end up somewhere else. But for the time being, they're using this resource very well because he's killing it. Yeah. I want to see him in Denver. Oh, my God. And I just want to see, I just want to see a, like a light show, baby. And also put this man in the derby because he can, he can make fireworks. Yeah. Uh, the Rangers are set to unveil their City Connect uniforms on April 17th. 
what are some things that you would see uh, on a Rangers City Connect uniform? I'm thinking uh, like a cowboy Lone Star type deal. Thinking like some tumbleweed stuff, you know, like that two guys on e- two guys on each side of the jersey getting ready for a duel. I don't know if they'll go that way, but something similar, maybe. <laughs> that, that was that was just a joke. I, um, I'm guaranteeing it right now. There's gonna be a big ass star on there. Oh, a hundred percent. Like, I would love for them to do like the uh, like a snake, but the Diamondbacks already got it and everything like that. But uh, definitely, definitely the stars. What on the? You think it's gonna be on the sleeve or on the? Maybe. Uh, or left or right side. I think it's either going to be like probably like right either like in the middle behind the Rangers logo or it'll be like so it, it'll be somewhere maybe on the on the uh maybe like a Texas flag on the sleeve or they're going to go for like a Hispanic heritage look. Yeah, I can see that. But I'm still hoping they go with the tumbleweed on the left rib. That would be very funny. <laughs> uh, let's see one more piece of news from me Ian Anderson is going to undergo Tommy John surgery yeah it's, it's another one of those things especially being a hometown ATO Brave um, you never want to see Tommy John on anybody it's, it's hard to come back from it the only thing we could say is we just hope for a speedy recovery and Hope he can take this time to really get back in that mindset like he was a couple years ago um, and get back to the lights out Ian Anderson he was before. Uh, he's been battling, honestly, with his his, his mental health on the mound. Um, but it's just one of those things we, uh, we hope he can recover from. All right, Colin. Any moments from the weekend that you really liked? Any games? Anything like that? Let's see. I really – let's see. The – Cubs Seattle series, I thought was very is very fun to watch, because um, it's two teams. One team we thought was going to be top dog this season in Seattle. Second Cubs we thought was going to struggle, but the Cubs have, are putting something together, and they can't put that together without their their leading offensive scorer right now, Dansby Swanson, staying hot, batting four hundred. And after today, the Cubs just went up two on the series. The line, their lineup is looking absolutely scary. They're two through five, being Dansby Swanson, Ian Happ, Trey Mancini, and Cody Bellinger, averaging a three hundred batting average. The only thing I worry about is with the Cubs pitching. The only way they win games is if they if they put up like double digit runs. Yeah, that that pitching staff sucks. Yeah, it was there was Kyle Hendricks still their ace? Uh no, I think it's Strowman. Yikes. Yeah, exactly. I do want to talk about the Diamondbacks though. They had one hell of a weekend. They took three out of four off the Dodgers. Yeah, that's uh that's definitely a head turner for the Diamondbacks. They're playing good baseball right now. Yeah, they took the first one off the Brewers as well. And as it stands they are down 6-0 in the top of the ninth, so that's kind of brutal. But Diamondbacks look very good. 7-4 and four right now in the West. Like, you know, in the NL West, that's a tough-ass division. The fact that they're even close to that is impressive. Yeah, I mean, Josh Rojas is really leading the charge right now. Him and uh, 
Evan Longoria as well. Not a name you would think that would be producing right now, but they're both batting over 400 in that starting lineup. Yeah, fun fact it's, about Evan Longoria. Him and Corbin Carroll hit back-to-back home runs, and Evan Longoria made his MLB debut when Corbin Carroll was seven. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but, hey, you never know. Maybe Evan Longoria was one of those players that Corbin Carroll really looked up to. Maybe. Playing, even though Corbin Carroll was an outfielder. Evan Longoria is just one of those guys. It's like it's hard to root against. True. I know, He's always been I know, a man of the people. I know. And then when he, he caught that ball behind his back talking to the reporters. That's, it's so fake. It's so Crazy. Fake. Crazy. All right. I hate to do it, but I got to shout out the Padres from this weekend because they looked so fucking good. Yeah, they absolutely tormented the Braves. Yeah. Like it, the, at truest. And Sunday was just <laughs> the best way that they could have capped that off. Fantastic performances off uh, around the board from that team, but Nelson Cruz stole the show. Three for four, six RBIs, uh, including what he had. Did he have two home runs or one? I think he had two. Yeah, Uh, the guy's just uh, one home run, one double. Yeah, that's what it was. Just absolutely ridiculous. The, The six RBIs from a guy who's what 41, 42 years old. He was born in 1980, and he's still shitting on these kids. Yeah, man. He was only a triple away from the cycle, so if he could have legged out a triple, yeah, it's fair. He might have been. He might have been the oldest player in the league to record a cycle. Speaking of the cycle, Luis Arias picked one up tonight against the Phillies in their eight-four win over the. Sorry, just yeah, over the Phillies. Like I was just saying, yeah, fantastic. Got it. I think in the eighth inning, so really pushed it, but. Arias, once again, off to a fantastic start hitting-wise. He goes 4-for-5 tonight, puts his average at 537 with an on-base of 596. Trying to keep that batting title. Um, I called it from the get-go. Arias, he is going to make that Marlins team dangerous. Yeah. Um, Something even better with that Marlins cycle, that's the first one in Marlins history. Yeah, that's surprising. Thinking of all the people that have played in Miami, yeah, um, um, a lot of speedsters. I mean, D, you would think D Gordon could have got one, but Yelich. I know he wasn't. Re- he wasn't really known for his power. Yelich, Yelich is a name. Um, trying to think. Uh, Derek Dietrich. <laughs> you mean Roy Boy? <laughs> it's all good, uh, but no, dude. The Phillies are off to a rough start yeah right four now four and seven they were they were they were high favorites to win the world series this year granted it's early but they haven't showed me anything nah the rotation is probably their biggest problem right now yeah what well, nola totally. cannot put together a good performance he's 0-2 right now era assists at 7.04 a 1.5 whip is not bad but i i gotta see more like Aaron Nola looks like absolute shit. And Zach Wheeler also doesn't look very good either. He's got a 5.59 ERA, hasn't recorded a win yet. He's only had 12 strikeouts in his, uh, I believe, two starts. Yeah, two starts, 9.2 innings, 12 hits, six earned runs, four walks. Like, this is not what we're used to seeing from these two guys. And it's not what – they don't have – 
the opportunity to do this. There's nobody else in that rotation to make up for this. Yeah, it makes me really excited to play the Phillies this year. Yeah. And let's talk this Yankees-Guardians series that's going on right now because these two teams are rather similar in my eyes. Obviously, the Yankees have the big names, but the Guardians just are so consistent. Like, Stephen Kwan, of course, just a fantastic leadoff hitter. Andres Jimenez back off to another good start to this season. Jose Ramirez is looking like an MVP candidate again. And then there's a couple other guys in this lineup that are doing pretty well. Mike Zanino is doing all right, but you know he's kind of platooning at catcher a lot. I'm just I'm very happy with what I've seen from the Guardians so far. They do lose 11-2 this uh, tonight to the Yankees, but Garrett Cole an, another pretty solid start out of him. But look, I think that both of these teams are teams that we're going to be looking out for, of course, going into the playoffs. I don't think that either of them are going to make a deep run, though. No, I agree. Uh, one thing saying, I, I really feel bad for Hunter Gaddis. He's my guy. He's he's a Canton, Georgia boy. Uh, he actually coached my 15U travel baseball team. So this was his second second start in the MLB. And his first one was last year against the Astros. Actually got lit up. Trey Mancini had like six RBIs and two home runs off of him. And then this this start, he throws three innings, gives up eight hits, eight earned runs, two walks, and three Ks. Yeah. And it's just how you get thrown into the fire and you got to go against Houston and then New York. It's very difficult as a young prospect. But, no, I agree. Yankees always start off showing something, but when it comes time in October – they can't produce. Yeah, they can make it to the ALCS, but I don't know. I When they make it to the World Series, then I'll start to believe in the hype. Sorry, Luke, but <laughs> Yankees are frauds. X. But the Guardians, they're that sneaky team, man. They put the ball. They're like that money ball team. They, yeah. They pitch the contact, and they put the ball in play. They make the other team work for those outs. Yeah, and that's a huge part of just getting these early wins and also just playing that way throughout kind of the whole April through July grind of, of like it seems meaningless at the time until you realize like, oh, if we would have won that series, we would have made the playoffs. Like it's it's this time of the year that are just the dog days of the MLB season because, you know, right now you still got 150 so, you know, 50 some odd games to play and it's hard to motivate yourself to kind of get yourself back on track. But if you can stay consistent throughout the summer, it just sets you up so well going into that fall baseball. Yeah. And again, it also comes to your, your team chemistry. So early in the season, yeah, you can get paid a lot of money to go out there, throw and hit a ball. But if you get along with your guys and you're having fun, Things can happen. You start winning games. You go on a 20-game win streak, and then, boom, you put yourself in first place in the division, contention for the playoffs. Things can happen. These are, these early two months are crucial in setting yourself up for a good position. Yeah, and it they look fantastic. 
any other teams or series you want to point out going into the rest of this week? Uh, looking at it, so I said it earlier, but keep an eye out on the Blue Jays. I I can really see them making some fireworks this year. Um, is that that lineup's pretty terrifying? Matt Chapman leading the charge, but you also got George Springer, Bo Bichette, uh, Alejandro Kirk looking to stay with the height from last year. And then also when they added Brandon Belt, he hasn't had a great season batting 148. But, you know, tonight he went three for four. So we'll see if he can keep it up. And uh, Dalton Varsha having a fantastic year so far. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the Masters, dude. This was a fantastic and very hard to follow Masters weekend. It starts off Friday. Trees fall down. They suspend play. A couple of guys have to finish some holes in the morning on Saturday. Get up on Saturday. Justin Thomas fucking blows it and ends up moving the cut back because of how bad he played in the morning. Ends up letting Tiger make the cut, which uh, Tiger owes Justin Thomas uh, a very expensive dinner for that. Yeah, like, how do you go day one shooting a 70, and then day two just coming out shooting 78? Eight strokes worse. It's um, it's, it's It's not good golf that you want to see. Like, when you're at the Masters, you want to see everybody playing their best, just not Justin Thomas's best, and he definitely going to be on his mind for a couple weeks. Um, but yeah, dude, the Masters was very fun. John Rahm, what what a weekend. Yeah. Oh, my just, God. Just played better and more consistent golf. But yeah. also, let's, let's talk about Sam Bennett. Oh, my God, dude. It's crazy. Like, an amateur who... Honestly, in all honesty, has not been very good this year for Texas A&M. Comes to the Masters and just stunts on everybody. Yeah, dude, it's he's got to be at an all-time high right now. He's that probably only... mad at himself for his th- round three and four, but how can you be mad when you made the cut at the Masters and as an amateur? You finished higher than like Tony Finau and Tiger Woods, you made the cut and JT didn't make the cut and Rory didn't make the cut. Bryson DeChambeau didn't make the cut, but amateur Sam Bennett makes the cut. Yeah, it's just, he's that guy you want to root for, man. Um, but no, I can only imagine like he's back home. What his, uh, what his buddy, him and his buddies are talking about. It's it's just one of those guys. It's just he played very good golf. Yeah, and it, it was just fun to watch. It was uh, very just. He's just an entertaining golfer. It, it seems like watching him play. Obviously, the clip him throwing in a little zinny, <laughs> but it's just what we want to see is personalities in golf, and the kid has a personality. It's fantastic. Um, let's talk about Kepka's Sunday because oh, Lord. how, how do you do that to yourself? He looked unbeatable until play got suspended on Saturday. 
Yeah, he was uh what he was up uh, he was at he was 12 down. I think next sec John Rom was second at seven down, I think. Um and at that moment I thought it was it was Brook it was Brooks tournament to lose. But when he you come it. out and you just absolutely shit the bed, you gotta dump your girl, man. Get her out. <laughs> Why is it her fault? Bad juju. Okay. Fair enough. But yeah, like just an absolute shit show. I I think just overall, just on Sunday with resuming Saturday's round and playing Sunday's round, I think he shot plus six, like just brutal shit. And like he tried to keep it close with Rom there at the end, but Rom was not going to lose that. Once he got that like four stroke lead, he was not going to lose it, and he just kept showing why he deserves to be world number one. Obviously, he comes into it as world number two. Scotty Scheffler doesn't have the best weekend. Definitely not anything horrible. Ended up at you know tied for 10th at four under, but Rom just proved to everybody that he's out for blood this year. Uh, I don't think there's any stopping him if he plays golf like this every weekend. Yeah, and did you see how much he uh he got from winning that? Uh yeah. Yeah, 3.2 million. What are you buying with that? He's going <laughs> to buy like 100,000 horses. That's true. Yeah, that's Devers money. <laughs> but now overall, it was it was a it was a fun fun week to watch. Uh congrats to John Rom. Um congrats to Sam Bennett. I mean, Kepka still got his second place, but I can't say congrats yeah, to someone it, who who threw that away. Shout out old Phil Mickelson, shooting he had a, seven under on Sunday to bring it to eight under and tie Kepka for second place. Like that's ridiculous. Spieth as well shot six under on Sunday, bringing it to seven under, tied for fourth with Patrick Reed and uh, Henley. Like. These guys totally came out of nowhere, as well as uh, the young guy, Sahid Thigala, shot five under, started his Sunday even, and brings it to five under, takes sole, uh, sole spot at ninth, takes home 522000 That ain't nothing small. But fun fact, uh, if, if Phil or Brooks would have been the sole holder of second place, they would have won one9 $1.9 million, which would have been more than Spieth or Danny Willett won from winning the Masters. Jeez. But now, dude, Phil Mickelson, that's like, that's the best golf he has played in a minute. Yeah. Um, that smooth lefty swing. No one, no one saw that coming. Every, Everyone's been talking about when Phil's just going to hang it up. Him and Tiger both. But for him to come out, shoot seven down, and make it a race for that sole second, it's just... Dude, 52 years old. Like That is crazy. And the only guy that beat him this weekend is a fellow Arizona State alumni who was coached by Phil's brother at Arizona State. Absolutely unbelievable, man. My back would be broken 
Oh, yeah. I don't think my body could take four rounds of golf, I'll be honest. Even at 20. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of back breaking, it was it was rough to see to see Tiger have to withdraw. Yeah. I think they said it was like his plantar fasciitis was flaring up. Yeah. Like just get better shoes. <laughs> yeah, but it's just one of those things like if you're not having to play multiple rounds in one day, we probably don't see him withdraw. But yeah. with that with that suspended round, it's his body just can't take it. He was never going to be able to complete, what, 27 holes on Sunday? Like, that was right around where he was going to have to do. And it's like, he can't do that anymore. He could have done 18. I'm sure of it. But with how bad that weather was, and as soon as play got suspended on Friday, and then he made the cut on Saturday, I just knew he was not going to make it through Sunday. Yeah, it's one of those things... I bet he wishes he his son could have subbed in for him, finish out the <laughs> Masters. Yeah, the tag team Masters. Son might have played better on the last day than Kepka would have. That's fair. All right, anything else with the Masters? It was a fantastic weekend with all the yeah. chaos. Yeah. All I know is that if someone would have got hit by that tree at the Masters, Ooh. I'd have collected a bag. Money. <laughs> All I know is that well, Buddy Ryan made a really good point. If you get hit by that tree, I'm asking lifetime access to the Masters. Oh, yeah. And if they hit me again? <laughs> hospitality suite. Yep. And then $5 million. Yeah. And then if they, say no, if they say no to $5 million, I'm okay with the lifetime of the Masters. Yeah. Go big. <laughs> What's there to lose? Exactly, man. It's a great event you don't want to miss. It's facts. All right, let's talk some NFL news. Uh, surprisingly, a decent amount of stuff going on. The Ravens signed Odell Beckham. That seems to be the biggest one going on right now. One year, $18 million, $15 million of that guaranteed. I'm surprised a team bit on that. Yeah, Odell's one of those iffy guys that you take a chance on. Um, I mean, if he comes out and plays like his old Odell Seft, Seft, I don't know why I said that, Self, um, the Ravens might be kind of dangerous, but it's just if he can stay on the field. Yeah, and if he cannot cause problems. <laughs> I think that there's plenty of problems already in Baltimore. But with them signing Odell, it does seem like there's a possibility that Lamar stays. They were um, they were out celebrating Odell signing at Live Nightclub in Miami. So, look, obviously Lamar wanted Odell there. And now that he's got him, I don't see Lamar leaving. I, I, I don't either. Uh, and then if they can just add one more wide receiver, I think Lamar's happy. It doesn't have to be DeAndre Hopkins. If you can just add one, like you can just add one average wide receiver, it's better than what they had before. Because you still got Duvernay, who's turning into that talent that nobody expected him to. Um, You partner him up with OBJ, and you get one more wide receiver. You actually have yourself a talented wide receiver group. Yeah. And on top of that, a fantastic quarterback. 
Yeah, I wouldn't go that far. Eh, shut up. <laughs> Did you see the pictures of Russell Okung and his weight loss? Because, oh my God. Like, he used to be a giant offensive lineman. Uh, I remember him with the Panthers. But if you saw that picture, like, you wouldn't even recognize him. Dude, it's it's insane. Yeah, it's like, like he, one, he looks like he could play safety right now. Dude, it's one of those pictures that are up at the uh, the doctor's office or at like one of those weight loss centers or like the biggest loser. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he looks like a biggest loser contestant. That's just kudos to him, man. Yeah, crazy. Like, I think that that one is more impressive than Joe Thomas's. Yeah, it's it's just because what when he was with the Panthers, he was six five and north of three hundred pounds. Yeah, and now he might be. I did. I haven't seen his. He might updated. be two fifty. It's he might be less than that. Yeah, it's crazy. But I I was speechless when I saw that picture. Yeah, well, let's talk about speechless. I'd love to hear um, any type of reaction because I was sure speechless when I heard this one. Carson Palmer, obviously former Bengals and Cardinals quarterback, ranks Joe Burrow ahead of Patrick Mahomes. He said, I know Patrick is phenomenal, but I think Joe's more consistent. (laughs) Like, what? Oh, that makes me laugh. That's outlandish. I'm not going to listen to a single thing Carson Palmer says. Super Bowl winner, I think. Yeah. But just for him to say that, like, yeah, Joe Burrow's a great quarterback. But for him to say that he's more consistent than Patrick Mahomes is absurd. No, it's crazy. Like, that, that is psycho talk. Like, yeah, Joe Burrow, consistent quarterback. Patrick Mahomes, just as consistent. And better. Joe, Joe, like Joe Burrow compared with Patrick Mahomes and what weapons they have, it's not even on the same, the same level. No. With Joe Burrow, you got Jamar T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. Patrick Mahomes, what he had. Um, Juju. He had Juju. I'm trying. Miko Hardman and Travis. But mainly, it's Travis. Yeah. And when Travis is getting double covered, he goes to Juju or Mecole. That's it. Mahomes spreads the ball so well when all Joe Burrow does is rely on those three guys. Yeah. No, it's absolutely crazy that Carson Palmer said that. I don't don't even know what else to say. He's just simply wrong. If Patrick Mahomes keeps it up, he will surpass Tom Brady as the greatest QB of all time. Yeah. Uh, I, the stats are back him up. He's already got two Super Bowls. He's still pretty young. Like, it's the sky is the limit for Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. So, Carson Palmer, if you're out there and you somehow get bored at 1 a.m. and you find yourself listening to this, that was a silly statement. Take it back now. <laughs> All right. Jets GM Joe Douglas was asked by Boomer Esiason 
if Aaron Rodgers was coming to the Jets, Joe Douglas said, he's going to be here. I wish he would have given us a little more, but that's all we're getting. We don't get to hear anything about Rodgers. I'm <laughs> thinking it's going to be post-draft at this point because you know you don't really want to start moving your picks around right now. Yeah. Um, Rodgers is definitely going to be a Jet. A hundred percent. He does not want to be in Green Bay. No. And I don't see him being anywhere else, honestly. Oh, sorry, I just mind blown by the David VR. Two run home runs straight up center against the Dodgers. Giants took yeah. a 4 0 lead in the eighth. Let's go, baby. All right, next. The Bears and Chiefs are going to play each other in Germany in 2023. I'm going to say something. You tell me if this is outlandish. This is a good matchup. Oh, yeah. Okay. A hundred percent. I really think that the Bears have made some fantastic additions. Yeah. And they're like going back to when we said earlier with MLB, the Bears are going to be that sneaky team this year. If Justin Fields can command this offense like we know Justin Fields can, they will be a force to reckon with in the NFC. Yeah. Also, Brandon Crawford just made it back-to-back solo shot. <laughs> but, yeah, He's no, I agree. Playing? Yeah, I guess. Um, you're right. Both of these teams are actually very good. Uh, obviously, the Chiefs are very good. The Bears, though, like – the additions they've made. They've got the 10th pick. They're talking to some guys that I really like. I've really liked who they're talking to in these interviews. You know, Jalen Carter, there's a possibility he falls. I don't think so. Uh, you know, he'll probably get snatched up either at five by the Seahawks or at eight by the Falcons. There's really no telling. But if he does drop to nine, the Bears have to take him. Yeah, the Bears will have a field day with that. Um Honestly, I think he I think he might drop. The only team I could see snagging him up before that would be the Falcons. Keep him in keep him in that hometown. Yeah. Build up that D line. I'd be happy with it. Oh yeah, absolutely. I I would love to see him in that red and black. Wouldn't be the first time. Eh, <laughs> I don't care about that other team. Jeffrey Simmons got paid. By the Titans, they agreed to a four-year, $94 million extension with $66 million guaranteed. Jeffrey Simmons totally deserves this money, though. Guy's just been an absolute beast for the Titans. They're you know struggling to keep it all together there, but keeping Jeffrey Simmons is a huge part of this team winning, I don't know, four games next year? No, I think they might get it to six. Uh, you know, Malik Willis will lead them to a uh, a decent season. No. But no, Jeffrey Simmons deserve, deserves every cent of that contract. He, phenomenal, phenomenal player, but an even better person to the Tennessee community. Um, he's just one of those guys you root for. Um, and he's locked up for five years with that fifth-year option in 2023. He will be a Titan for life. Yeah. Just don't fuck him over like they do with all of their other players. I I honestly think even though they don't win a lot of games, he is happy in Tennessee. 
Oh, yeah. And as much as he's done, like you said, in that community, he's got a strong connection there. Yeah. And I don't know if you just said this or not, but do you, did you say anything about his signing bonus with that contract? No. $24 million signing bonus to add on to all that money? Solid. Beautiful. I'd take that right, right now. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Pay off my debt. Yeah. Jason Kelsey admitted that the Super Bowl defeat played a factor in him returning for his 13th season. I feel like that's pretty obvious. If he would have won a Super Bowl, he was going to get the hell out of there. Oh, 100%. And I think this sets up for a rematch this year in the Super Bowl. Uh, we'll see. I, I think there's some contenders in the NFC with the Eagles. Yeah, but I think if we do get a rematch, I think the outcome is going to be totally different this year. I don't know. Travis is Travis can be like, I took last year. You can have this year. I'll see you at Thanksgiving. I don't think that's how Travis rolls. Never know. But probably not. He's going to riz them to a championship. <laughs> I hate the fact that I just said that. <laughs> the Wizard of Oz. All right, we're moving on. Kareem Hunt definitely does not have Riz. If you've ever seen what he's done in a hotel, he will not be re-signed by the Browns. Browns said that they think he's lost his speed. Yeah, dude, he just needs to change position to become a kicker. I think <laughs> I think he will exceed at that position. Once again, um, noting what he's done in a hotel. But no, um, also, like with the Browns, they don't need Kareem Hunt. But they got Nick Chubb. Yeah. So you get if you give Nick Chubb ninety five percent of the carries, it changes your offense. Yeah, but like um, even if they throw in like just some fast backup running back, they'll be fine. Duke Johnson. Yeah. Um, but no, Kareem. There are some systems that Kareem Hunt could fit in. Um, whether he went and goes and partners with Tampa, partners with Leonard Fournette. Um, Leonard Fournette's not there anymore. He got cut. Oh, yeah, that's right. Who is it? It's uh, Rashad White. Rashad White. I don't know why I thought Leonard Fournette was still there. Like maybe they'll maybe they'll live together since they both got cut. Maybe. That'd be funny. Yikes. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with you. There's, uh, there's a place in this league for Kareem Hunt, but... If he doesn't have his speed, he definitely loses a huge part of his game. Yeah, because he he can't run through anybody anymore. No. He's just he he just doesn't have that power. But I know that the Browns started using him more as a passing back, so we could definitely see him playing a role like that. Heck, he could go to the Jets and partner up with Brees. Yeah. Speaking of Brees, Robert Sala said that Brees Hall looks fantastic in his recovery from that ACL injury, and that's just making this Jets team look that much better. You know, obviously, we're going to see Rodgers soon. He's not there quite yet, but I'm going to assume he's the quarterback of the Jets next year. And with Garrett Wilson and Alan Lazard and all of the other signings they've made, just Adding up with Brees Hall, the fantastic defense they've got with Sauce and Quentin Williams. Like, this team is going to look so good next year. And having a quarterback and having Brees Hall healthy all season will be so good for that team. 
Reese Hall is just one of those guys that's just exciting to watch. His his elusiveness on the field, his power to explode through the gap, um, and he can catch. You hit him on a wheel route, he'll catch it and run 80 yards. He's disgusting at his position, and I'm just – it. Just talking about it right now makes me excited for this next season. I love Brees Hall. Yeah. Uh, Bucks linebacker Devin White has requested a trade. This one was kind of surprising to me, and then I realized that they just don't want to pay him. And I don't blame them. He hasn't been phenomenal. He's still great and works so well next to Levante David. I just, I don't know. I, I feel like he deserves the money. But I also haven't watched a ton of Bucks football. Yeah, I mean, Bucks Bucks are about to start rebuilding. So many people are about to start leaving. It's with with Brady gone, and right now is their QBs. What is it, Baker and Trask? Yeah, it's it's not going to be fun football to watch. Mike Evans hasn't been looking very good. You you got what Chris Godwin. And OJ Howard. Yeah. I think is their top two guys right now. Um it's just I think they'll be I think the Panthers will have a better season than this next year. Oh yeah. I think I think there's a, a good opportunity for the Bucks to be the worst team in the NFC South. Maybe even the NFL. Maybe. We'll see. I think Baker could win you some games. Eh, he didn't show me anything in LA. He won that Thursday night football game. Fantastic. The like 95 yard drive with like a minute and a half. Beautiful. Yeah, I think that was it for the whole season though. I don't care. <laughs> I'm I'm a Baker believer. He's I'm got not. Moxie. <laughs> I'm the fact that you just said Moxie, we might need to end this call right now. Nope. We're not because the Falcons. They sent a fifth rounder to the Lions for former third overall pick Jeff Okuda. So they addressed the cornerback position. It's essentially locked up now. They're going to go defensive line in the draft. Jeff Okuda obviously has not been a third overall pick, uh, you know, in these uh, two years he's been in the league. But he still has potential. He's still a young player. He was fantastic at Ohio State. If he can show what he showed in college – even just a little bit, it, it just every now and then, I will be happy with this move. Yeah, absolutely. And you never know, like, maybe he's just not a Detroit guy. Maybe he's an ATL boy at heart. Ohio State playing them, oh, their semifinal games in the ATL. You know, I'm excited for this. And I'm glad we didn't have to give up what we gave up fifth rounder. I think it's a phenomenal pickup, but I honestly still think we might, in like the second round, still pick up a cornerback. Yeah, um, yeah. Just in case, but he definitely is gonna add depth and just make our defense ten times better. Yeah, I'm I'm very happy with that move. Let's get into a little bit of draft talk. So it came out that at least six teams have inquired with the Cardinals for that third overall pick. I think at this point, it's pretty surefire that the Cardinals don't want that third pick because it seems like they, like, yes, they could just 
pick Will Anderson and, and have it done with. But I don't think that's really who they want to go with. Um, I think they'd rather trade down within the top 10 and hopefully get you know another late pick out of it uh, and pick up somebody, maybe Tyree Wilson. I've been hearing that he's a guy that they like, so that could be an option. But w- with this many teams inquiring about that pick, it wouldn't surprise me if they give it up. Yeah, and I mean, well, heck, they just had they just met with or they play plan to host Quentin Johnston today. So I think he actually did meet with them today. Uh, so I could see them dropping down and pick him up. But it surprises me that they don't want that number three. Will Anderson's a dog. Like, especially with J.J. Watt retiring, you got a gap to fill right there. And I think Will Anderson is the top guy to fill that gap. Yeah, they don't really play like, okay, they're both edge rushers. Yes, they don't play the same kind of edge rushing style because Will Anderson plays more of the outside linebacker type, whereas uh, J.J. Watt is much more of a defensive end. So going with a guy like Tyree Wilson makes more sense to fill J.J. Watt's role, but how can you pass up Will Anderson? Exactly. He's a playmaker, whether he's rushing or he he could even drop back and go for the pick over the middle. The dude can cover any running back, and he can get through any line. I just – I don't like that move. I don't like that for the Cardinals. I think with having that number three pick, it just depends if they trade it, what what can they get from trading it away. That's what's really going to play out here. Yeah. Let's talk a little more Alabama players, Colin. Tight end Cameron Latu has visits last week with the Cowboys and 49ers. So I don't think Latu's going to be a first-round tight end. I do think that he's going to be a pretty nice pickup, though, in probably the second round. Yeah, I, I've always liked Latu um, at Bama. He's a, great, he's a great player, great IQ, and great hands. Um, I... Him meeting with the 49ers, I, I really like that because he can learn a lot from George Kittle. And you set up that double tight end set with the wide receiver weapons you have already. That can make for a dangerous offense. But I think for Latu to grow and actually get NFL ready, he still has a lot of learning to do. So I feel like if he goes to San Fran and learns from one of the best in the league, that can be very beneficial for him. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Bryce Young met with the Raiders last week, met with the Panthers on Tuesday. I don't think he's going to the Panthers at this point. I- I'm I'm pretty sure fire it's going to be C.J. Stroud. Some people disagree. I, I don't. I-, I really think that C.J. Stroud is the Panthers guy. But for the Raiders... There's no way he's dropping that low. Yeah, I I agree. The only thing I can see is if the Raiders were to trade up for him. Like, if they really 100% think that Bryce Young is their guy, they'll pull some draft day stuff, if you've ever seen that movie, where the Raiders are making, like, 10 trades on draft day to get up <sighs> to a top pick. I don't know. I think it's going to be pretty hard to pry that second pick out of Houston because it's pretty obvious, to me at least, that Houston wants to go quarterback. Um, 
people try to say they didn't, but after Garoppolo went to the Raiders, it seemed like the Texans were pretty locked in on just drafting a quarterback. So I think it'd be hard. Obviously, they could get up to three, but you know, at three, your options become you know, Levis, Richardson, and you know, maybe Hendon Hooker. But I I don't know. It, it's it's interesting to to see because yeah, of course you're gonna interview the guy no matter what. But to me, Bryce Young's gonna be the quarterback of the Texans next year. Yeah, I I don't know, man. I, I honestly don't. I've been doing a lot of research and look at it, looking at it, the Panthers seem very high on Bryce Young right now. I don't it's know. like a lot of people are saying that Bryce Young will fit Carolina's play system better than CJ Stroud, which I it's it's hard to say. Because C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young are both very good. And one thing I hate that you just said is that you think Will Levis will be in the top top three. I don't. I'm saying those are the three best available. I put Anthony Richardson before Will Levis. I, I know. I wasn't saying it in any particular order. Just saying those are the three guys there. Will Levis is going bottom first round. He might, but he also might go top ten. There's literally no telling. Yeah, is this it's gonna be an interesting draft day. Like my my eyes are gonna be glued to the TV when this happens. Yeah. Uh and oh, go ahead. Sorry, but I was just gonna say it's I I totally agree. And but I think it's it's either Texans or Panthers for Bryce. Yeah, uh, I'm in the same boat. It, it, him and Stroud are the top two picks. Yeah. Let's talk about Hendon Hooker, though. He met with the Lions on Tuesday, and if the Lions do want to take him, do you think they'd get him at six, or do you think they could wait until the 18th pick? I think they could definitely wait till the 18th pick. I don't think Hendon Hooker is going that high. Just after the injury and where he's at in age already, I don't think teams are going to be very high on him. Um. So I think they could definitely wait and snag him 18. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I feel like there's not a lot of teams that are going to be looking quarterback after kind of like that top five. And really once you get to like 18, I don't think anybody's going to go quarterback. So we'll have to see because you know anything can happen. You know, somebody could like Hendon Hooker more than they like Will Levis. He's a guy, you know, maybe maybe the Colts pick up Richardson and the Seahawks get Hooker. Like, there's no telling what happens here, but there's a chance that by draft day, you know, Hooker maybe looks like uh, somebody could get him in the top 10, maybe, you know, top 20 before the Lions at 18, and they just say, fuck it and take him at six. Yeah, here's a question. You think Tennessee makes a trade with Arizona to jump to three to get Anthony Richardson? Nah, I I don't think they're going to go quarterback. They might, but I don't think that Richardson's the way to go for them. I agree. I was just scrolling through, and I saw this mock draft, and I I wanted to get your thoughts on it. 
yeah, I think that would be a, a bad move for the Titans. They're already in a bad spot. Don't make it worse. Yeah, this one has <laughs> Will Anderson going to Denver. What? Yeah. That's, that's five. Wait. Yeah, it has Denver trading. What the fuck? To get Will Anderson at five. So they're saying Denver trades with Seattle? Yeah. Wait, didn't they get that? Yeah. So why would they trade? Whoever made this mock draft needs to be fired. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck you're reading right now. But let's talk about this wide receiver class because it seems like some things have kind of come out around the league the past couple of weeks and that the league isn't quite as high on this year's wide receivers class as the media is making it out to be. Uh, a lot of people are putting four or five wide receivers in their mock drafts, but it seems like the only guy that has a first-round grade is Jackson Smith and Jigba. I don't. I, I still don't think that's the case. I, I don't think I believe that because there's teams that need to address wide receiver, and there's guys that I think are worthy of first-round picks. Just to speak of one, Zay Flowers, a guy who I've been talking about endlessly for the last couple of weeks, wide receiver out of Boston College. He met with the Patriots. Patriots pick at 14. This would be a very Belichick move to reach on a guy that you really like and take Zay Flowers at 14. Yeah, I, I see three wide receivers going in front of Jackson Smith, and that's Quinn Johnson, Zay Flowers, and Jordan Addison. I could see all three jumping them. Uh, maybe Quentin and Zay going first round and Jackson – or Jordan and Jackson going second round. Uh, that, that would be kind of crazy if Jackson Smith and Jigman drops out of the first. I could see it. I don't know. He's just He's just giving me this – this feeling, I don't like it. You know, you know, you know, I'm high on my feelings, but uh, nah, I like Zay Flowers a lot. I'd probably put him as the top wide receiver in this class. But you got you got a lot of good young talent here with Jalen Hyatt, Tyler Scott, and Rashi Rice. I think are gets overlooked a little bit, um, and also Marvin Mims out of Oklahoma. Yeah, I really like Marvin Mims. I don't think he's like a wide receiver one at all, but he's a guy that certainly could be utilized as like a slot, kind of like a wide receiver three type role for a lot of teams. Crazy speed, super good with the ball in his hands. Like that's the kind of guy that is a rookie that makes an impact, but he's not like a game changer. Oh, like after a year or two, he gives me sort of like that that Tyler Lockett vibe. Yeah on a team that can just like when you, when your main guys get double covered, your guys just hit slants across the field or your, your post routes here, your stop and goes. It's he, he can do so much. Yeah. He's phenomenal. I want to hear your take on this. So Chris Sims, uh, I believe of CBS sports. I could be wrong on that one. Uh, either way, he's, he's a fucking idiot. He ranked Will Anderson at fifth among the edge rushers in this draft behind Tyree Wilson, uh, Van Ness out of Iowa, Nolan Smith, and uh, McDonald out of, I believe, Iowa State. Could be wrong on that one. Um, I'm not even familiar with the guy, uh, if that tells you anything. But Will Anderson, 
is not fifth. This is just Chris Sims fucking with people. Yeah, you said you want to hear my my opinion. I think you already know what my opinion is. Yeah, it's blasphemy. It's the dude needs to uh, quit. Just just needs to <laughs> stop breathing. <laughs> if he's gonna make those kind of remarks, it's it's mind blowing. I think this is clickbait. I I don't believe that Chris Sims actually feels this way. I hope not, bro. Will Anderson is the best defensive player in the draft, no matter the position. He is the best defensive player. Dude, I I don't know what to tell you. I I think Chris Sims just lost his mind. Because, yeah, Will Anderson is the best edge rusher in this draft. There's no doubt about it in my mind. And the fact that Miles Murphy is not here is kind of crazy. Exactly. Like you're you're naming people at Iowa State. Like, what are we doing here, Chris? What it's are crazy. we doing? I'm not, I'm never listening. I'm never on CBS Sports <laughs> again, bro. Screw that. I think it was CBS. He's either with CBS or Fox. I, I can't quite remember. But uh, it, would, it, it would make sense if he's with Fox. hundred uh, percent. Let's see. He's with... I think I'm losing my mind. It doesn't matter. Um, let's talk about the Bears and Jalen Carter. So apparently the Bears have been doing a lot of homework on Carter, including interviewing people from his hometown. So it, it appears that at this point, with all that's gone on, it, it's almost like the character issues, in a sense, are what's bringing him down. So the Bears, I, I think this is a good move here is talk to the people that really know the kid. Because, yeah, you can talk to him, you can talk to his agents, and you can talk to whoever. The people that really know Jalen Carter are going to give you the best insight on what kind of guy he is. Because it's obvious he's a fantastic football player. But with all that's gone on, it is important that you figure out what kind of person he is. Yeah, and it's very it's very common for teams, no matter the sport, to do this. It's because they know what kind of physical player you are. They've seen years of film. They know what they're getting. What they want to know is what kind of locker room guy you are. Who are you off the field? That's because if they have a guy who is a phenomenal player, but energy vampire in the locker room and doesn't get along with any teammates, why do you want that? You want a guy who you can build team chemistry around that will just make the entire team better you don't want yeah he could be a superstar but is he coachable that's the word that needs to be used is he coachable yeah i think that's important i think they definitely need to be talking and i'm sure they already have with kirby smart and um excuse me guys that have worked with him on the defense like dan lanning um and uh muschamp But I just – I think that Jalen Carter shouldn't have even dropped. Obviously, you know, when anything like that happens, you're going to drop. But he's such a phenomenal talent that it's surprising that, like, he's not being considered up there. Yeah. um, The dude's a freak on the field. I know it always scares teams whenever they see – a young prospect's name negative in the headlines just because you never get the full story on it. 
you never get both sides of the story so you don't know what really happened um but going back i would i would look past the coaches uh for what the bears are looking for i would talk to keely ringo i would talk to nolan smith i would talk to the players view of it not just the coaches because the coaches can still talk up your player and and lie about him, but the players are going to tell you the truth about him 100 percent yeah uh and jalen carter also visited with the seahawks on tuesday uh so we can expect a awkward ass fucking selfie probably like they have <laughs> been doing i i can't explain how much i hate them but yeah i i think that jalen carter at five sounds right yeah yeah i, I like that I, I like that a lot actually but you're telling me you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want a selfie with Pete Carroll, not with how the other ones have looked. Pete Carroll, mm. I said this on I think Friday. Pete Carroll is the most unphotogenic guy ever. He just needs a new new pair of glasses. Man, his glasses are a little out yeah, of date. They're pretty lame. Go on down to your local Dick Sporting Goods. Get you a pair of sunglasses, man. <laughs> I think he likes small frames. I think that's his thing. We got field and stream glasses. We'll be all right. All right, man. All right, Colin. You ready to get into a little bit of draft prospects? Yeah, man. All right. I'll let you have the floor. All right. Who's your first so, defensive guy you like? Deion White out of Georgia Tech. Edge rusher. Solid. Solid pick. Dude's overlooked phenomenally. I don't think I just said it's a word not, right there. Not the right word. <laughs> but uh, I get what you're getting at. Exactly. Like coming out of uh, Georgia Tech gets overlooked a lot when it comes with defensive players. But uh, the dude's is just insane. He's quick on his feet. Um, he gives me Will Anderson vibes, not quite at that level, but I think he can get there. Yeah, I I like that take. He's he's an enticing prospect, a possible probably late first round, early second. But yeah, you're right. The the kid is phenomenal. He's just being overlooked. Yeah, he's six five, two eighty five. Um, he had a thirty four inch vertical jump. And his broad jump was 9-9. And he bench pressed 225 30 times. So you already know he's strong. He's elusive. And he's excellent in the classroom. True. All right. I'm going to give you my first guy. And that's Adetoma Adebaware, edge rusher out of Northwestern. I love this guy. I watched his combine. Absolutely ridiculous speed at his size. He's 6'2", 282. He ran a 4.49. 27 yes. reps on the bench press. The first ranked in athleticism scorer at the combine amongst defensive ends. A 37.5-inch vertical. Like, <clears throat> he's light on his feet. He's just fast overall. And, and um, a, a strong pass rusher. Super good explosiveness in just all over. Uh, upper body, lower body. He's explosive off the line. He can cross face tackles. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, super solid, like, 
he's very slippery on the edge. His rush movements are super strong and like, but he doesn't do anything great. Like he's not a big spin move guy. He's going to power you off, but he does it quickly. The only thing you'd really be looking for outside of it is the height. Obviously, you'd like your defensive ends to be this giant human being. Obviously, 6'2", 282, it's nothing tiny. But certainly, you know, could use a little bit more height on him if you're looking for your ideal defensive end. But he's a guy that's definitely getting overlooked. Yeah, I I, I totally agree. You've been high on this guy for ever since you've learned how to pronounce his name. Facts. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how he plays out in the NFL. I think he could do very well. All right. Who's your second guy? Uh, my second guy is Brian Brees. Love it. Out of Clemson. Defensive tackle. A lot of you know him as the one who started Ella Strong. Little sister passed away to a rare brain cancer at the age of 15. Got him and his teammates involved, Ella Strong t-shirts, um, to just make awareness for it. But his athletic his athleticism is phenomenal. He's six five and a half at two ninety eight pounds. His athleticism score at the combine he ranks sixth among defensive tackles. He ran a four eight. Ten yard split was one point seven. He's he's more of your your quick your quick defensive tackles. He's not as strong, so he's going to be looking to slip but i really like him he he gives off a lot of jj watt not as much on the field but off the field as he's just your more locker room guy who's very coachable and can play a positive impact just being there yeah i love that pick brian brise is absolutely phenomenal just strong. He can get low, which is big, you know, especially at his size. I think overall, he's just a very enticing prospect. I mean, yeah, how how can you not like him? Man, he's got a great heart. It's true. Heart heart means everything. Exactly. If you don't have heart, just stop playing. Thanks. All right. My second guy, Joey Porter Jr. out of Penn State, the corner. Kid is just, he's ridiculously good. Obviously, the son of Joey Porter, who longtime NFL guy, ran a 4.46, a 10.9 broad jump. It's crazy. Um, I believe he was, yeah, first team all conference in 2022. Uh, he was his team's most valuable defensive player. Just a ridiculously good corner. And <clears throat> it, obviously, He's got the DNA of a former pro bowler. That's obviously helpful, but super good at recovering in when he's getting lost on a route. Guys just cannot get away from him that well, and he's so good at coming back at the ball that it's super hard to challenge him. He wins a lot of his high point challenges. He lines up very well against tight ends. He's super physical on kind of the bigger receivers. And just ridiculous. Closes the catch space so well. I love what this kid can do. And I 
I think he has cornerback one potential, like even just in this draft. I just think that people really like some of the other guys a little bit more. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. Um, the dude, his upside is unspeakable for the potential that he has. Um, I think his athletic ability is going to be, you know, I'm like brain farting right now. <laughs> um, it is twelve forty-five. Yeah. I'll 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 just come to a conclusion on this. He's got the genes. He's yeah. got the dog. He's got that dog in him. Facts. All right, Colin. Who's your third guy? Dude, it kills me to say this because he's coming from a team that I absolutely despise. You might already know who I'm talking about. He made a clutch pick six against my team. Uh, yes, I do. Keely Ringo, cornerback out of Georgia. The dude is insane. Ran a 4-3 at the combine. 33.5 vert. 10-2 for the broad jump. He didn't rank very high for athleticism score at the combine. He was only 15th. But... The dude's a nasty cornerback. His coverage is insane. Quick on his feet, and he can get up and guard any defender or wide receiver. Um, and right now, he's pro- he's projected to go second round to the Falcons. And like I would honestly, I would I would like that. Stays. I I personally think that he should transition to safety in the NFL. I think that he's very good at like hawking and sometimes kind of does it too much, uh, like to a fault. Like he's so good at eyeing the ball almost to the point where he hurts himself sometimes because he loves to make a play on the ball. But I think if you put him at the safety position, he gets the ability to just kind of roam, pick up the guy that he can because he's got the speed to catch up to anybody. And he can get physical. He can get up. Like, I'm not worried about his ability to cover it once the ball's there. I'm worried about his ability to stick with his guy. Yeah, he's your next Trayvon Diggs, bro. Yes, but at safety. I I feel yeah. like he should transition to safety. That that could help him a lot. Um, it's just one of those things that we're going to have to see um, where he goes because that's – we're just gonna have to see where he learns from, what who he learns from. Um because I mean he goes to Atlanta. You got Jesse Bates and AJ that are commanding that defense, that backfield. You can learn a lot from those two. Yeah, for sure. And then also with uh what's his name? We just talked about him. Um we just got him from the Lions. Uh, Jeff Okuda. Takuda. Yeah, dude, it's 1249 right now. I'm struggling. Yeah. Uh, look, we're going to get through it, though. We've only got just a couple more minutes. I'm going to take another dog as well for my last one. Nolan Smith. Oh, God. This motherfucker, dude. Oh, my God. A 439. At, at 6'2, 238. 
running a 439 is crazy. 10-8 broad jump, 41.5-inch vertical. Good Lord. And the best part is he's a team-first guy. Huge, just a, a fantastic teammate. Super tough guy. Really good at attacking, uh, attacking his blocker. Always first with the hands. Super strong. Um, really uses his strength super well, especially being a little bit smaller than your average edge rusher. His strength is immense. And he's got, he can cut tight. He's got really strong, just upper body. I could use some more mass kind of in the torso and the upper legs, but he's, he just makes up for it so well. And I think really the only problem is that sometimes he can get caught up in his blocker and on the edge that just, it, it can't happen too often. So if he can kind of work on his moves and making himself a little bit more diversified in how he approaches or, you know, how he attacks the quarterback, I think this kid's going to be unstoppable. Yeah. And he just, if the Bears decide to not go with Jalen Carter, or even if they do, if they could try to snag, you, you think Nolan Smith goes first round? I think so. It looks like he's kind of creeping up. He's kind of creeping up, but imagine the Bears. Do they have a, do they have a second round? Uh, I I believe so. Imagine they get Jalen Carter first round, Nolan Smith second round. That would be insane. That would be scary. Then there'd be like Roquan Smith who. Facts. But no, I like that pick. Um, and hey, I hate to say it, but these two Bulldogs. Are they're dogs? They are. They have that dog the in only, them. That's the only way you can put it, man. They are straight dogs. All right, let's hit stake your claim and get out of here. Colin, do you have anything for your stake your claim? You know I do, man. All so right, we're going back. It. We're going. We're going back to MLB. Same. I got the Baltimore Orioles are going to make a push in October. Love it. Yeah, they I have they're gonna make the playoffs, and when their pitching is on, they're going to look unstoppable rolling in October. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic take. They're so fucking good. They're just so young, especially man. if they can add like a solid starter to add into that rotation. Like at the deadline, they're gonna be so good. Hey. Make make a pick for uh, Zach Wheeler. See what you can do. I wouldn't mind that. All right. Well, mine has to do with your division, so I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think the, the Rays, though they've had a fantastic start, they're not going to make the playoffs. I had the same feeling, man. They are going to choke. Dude, I just I, – I don't see this rotation staying this good. Yeah, I could see them winning – 20 games straight, but then I could also see them losing 20 straight. Yeah. Like as soon as as soon as Brandon Lau slows down, as soon as Franco has an off week, like they're gonna skid and it's gonna be bad. 
they are one i've been saying this um since their eighth game they're one injury away yep and and i hate to think that way but i'm in the same boat as soon as somebody isn't there it's going to throw them off <laughs> yeah i'm i agree with you 100% man yeah i i just look i i I love this team. I, I just said it. I like earlier in the episode. I love watching this team play the game. It's just—it's hard to say that they can hold this up. It's obviously they're not going to go undefeated. That's just a ridiculous thing to think. But you never know. No, I do know they're not going to go undefeated. But one sixty-two and zero. Yeah, not going to fucking happen. <laughs> <laughs> the day that that happens, I. I hope I'm already dead. Unless it's the Braves. If it's the Braves, it's fine. But it, I, I just can't trust the bottom of that rotation. After McClanahan and you know maybe Glasnow if he has a good you know comeback. I, I don't trust Drew Rasmussen to be great throughout the year. Like nobody does. He just happens to have had a fantastic start. I think that the bullpen can get a little shaky. They don't really have a, a fantastic option at closer. I just, I don't know. I can't believe in it because if they do get hit with injuries, I don't think they have the depth to back it up. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm going to be honest. I can't even name like two in their bullpen right now. Yeah, because all of them just keep leaving. Yeah, like I remember when they had uh, Diego Castillo. And a couple Colin other McHugh. guys. Yeah. Nick Colin Anderson. McHugh. Yeah. Put those two on the Braves now. Yes. <laughs> Pretty sure they, I don't know if they still have Colin Poche, I think was there. Is that his name? Yeah, he's still there. Okay. So he's, I can name he one. Actually, he actually pitched yesterday, I think. Or All two right. days ago. Well, time. we're getting tired. It's almost 1 a.m. Colin. Once again, I appreciate you for filling in. Maybe we'll have you on again next week. Um, we're going to officially say it now. Brock's hiatus has been extended until his finals are over. I totally understand it. You guys should understand it too. Being a college student is not easy. Let me tell you. And uh, Colin can say it too. But, uh, yeah, we're going to just keep rolling. Uh, we got the draft coming up. Can't wait. Colin, once again, thank you for coming on. Yeah, man, absolutely. And by next time I'm on, we'll see if the the Tampa Bay Rays are undefeated. I'm going to go no. I'm going to go yes. Interesting. All right. We'll see you all next, uh, later I'll this week. Colin, we'll see you next October. week. See we'll you in see. October. All right. Peace. Later.